He is God, not of the dead, but of the living, for to him all of them are alive. For the last two days, I have been with uh, Lily and Pete as lay delegates at the 243rd Convention of the Diocese of New York. Now, a diocesan convention comes around every year, and there's a lot involved with it. A lot of it's like sort of like the annual meeting of the parish, but of course the whole body of the diocese gathers together. Uh, this time we were in uh, uh, the Westchester Marriott in Terrytown. Next year we'll be at the cathedral in Manhattan. They like to vary it a little bit. And there are, are procedural things that we have to get through. There are elections for different posts. There are, there's a budget to pass sort of a lot of dry stuff that we just have to go through uh, legally and in order to keep our lives together moving. But also at convention, there are times of great grace and of uh, really feeling the Spirit of God working in and among us as a diocesan family. You know, it's easy to, uh, to lose sight of the fact that we are part of something much bigger than ourselves. As week in and week out, month in, year in, year out, we go to our own parish churches and we hear our own uh, rector or minister speak, uh, and we have the same people who serve, and et cetera, et cetera. But we cannot lose sight of that fact that we are part of a big family and an even bigger extended family in the Episcopal Church, the Anglican Communion, and the Holy Church throughout the world. So we come together uh, yearly for this as a body, for this convention. And every year there's a theme. Uh, Sometimes the themes are better than others. This year the theme was called Redeeming Time. And that comes from a passage from Ephesians. And uh, what we heard from several bishops who preached was that time is viewed in several different ways in the Holy Scriptures. Of course, coming from the ancient Greek, the chronos, which means the seconds and the minutes and the hours of the day, and the kairos, which is time in a much more expansive sort of form or idea. Kairos meaning that that we, we do things at the right time. When the Spirit of God presents them to us, we are asked to act. And so I want to, uh, in light of today's gospel, talk about a little bit of what we did at the convention and what impact that will have on us as as a parish and as a diocese and hopefully will spill over into the wider church. Remember in the, the gospel story today, some of the Sadducees are trying to trick Jesus or trip him up with technicalities. People try to do this all the time, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes. They ask him trick questions. But of course, he never falls for their trickery. They try to get him into this uh, argument over who's married and who's not in the afterlife. And what he says to them is, you really don't understand, do you? You, you? you know what you see here on earth. You know what the law of Moses is, sure. But what you don't understand is that Those who belong to this age, he says, marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are the children of the living God, being children of the resurrection. 
So we, in our earthly frame of mind, which is really all we have, except for the scriptures, except for the spirit of God working through us, thank goodness, we have this frame of mind of the finite nature of our lives. We live, we're born, we live, we die, and it would seem that what, once we're gone, we're gone. Sometimes we leave things behind that people will remember. If you just look around this church, you can see many examples of memorials to people, the stained glass, the plaques on the walls. And today, on this Remembrance Day, I would draw your attention to the propeller, which most people miss on the ceiling there because it blends in with the the wood, uh, of Richard Mortimer's plane that went down in France during the First World War. So we remember those who came before us, and we do leave a mark, and what we do in this life really does matter. And I was re- we were reminded of this, and we were re- reminded of a form of resurrection, per- perhaps not bodily resurrection, but a form of resurrection at our diocesan convention. So 159 years ago, at the convention of the diocese, which met at St. Paul's Chapel in Lower Manhattan, John Jay, now not John Jay, the first Supreme Court Justice of the United States, but his grandson, John Jay, who lived in Rye, just uh, not far from here, uh, proposed a resolution to the convention. Now, bear in mind, this is 1860. It is right up to this time of the Civil War. And I don't know about you, but when I was in grade school and taught American history, I was given sort of a simplified whitewashed version of black and white, right and wrong. But what we have to do as Christians and as critically thinking adults is really dive deeper into our own history and look at what was really going on because nothing exists in a vacuum. There are very few black and white uh, issues in the world. There's a lot of gray. And so in 1860, John Jay proposed this resolution that the Diocese of New York actively denounce the slave trade. Now, this sounds to us like a no-brainer, like it would be one of those sort of courtesy resolutions. Of course, that would go through. Well, in fact, it did not. The resolution also called for the Bishop of New York to send forth a pastoral letter to all of the parishes of the diocese, which would be read from the pulpits of every single church to uh, proclaim this denunciation of the slave trade. Now, bear in mind, the slave trade had been abolished in 1808, but it kept going illegally all those years. And the ships mainly left from the port of New York, laden with cargo. They went to Africa, onboarded uh, the kidnapped Africans who were then enslaved, and then taken down south or to South America or to Cuba, where they worked in the sugarcane plantations or the cotton plantations, and then brought back the rum and the molasses and the sugar to the north. So it was what was called the triangle trade. And even though it was outlawed in 1808, nevertheless, it went on and on for decades. And many people in New York and in the Episcopal Diocese of New York grew very rich because of this evil practice. And so you can see why it made people very uncomfortable then. It probably makes us uncomfortable now to talk about it. But even then, So John Jay is proposing this resolution, and he keeps getting interrupted by various people in the convention who say he's out of order, or we, uh, whatever reason, they try to trip him up on technicalities, much like the Sadducees and the Pharisees try to trip up Jesus in the gospel reading. 
And so finally, the bishop, Bishop Horatio Potter, uh, uh, says that he is, in fact, in order and he must be heard. And so uh, his resolution is read, and this goes on for hours and hours, into the night. And it finally comes up for a vote. But before the Diocese of New York could vote on this resolution to condemn the illegal slave trade, so many people walked out of convention that there was no longer a quorum. It's hard to believe. And so that resolution was put on the table. And there it sat and sat and sat until it was rediscovered just last year in the course of some uh, research someone was doing for the convention. And when a, a resolution is put on the table like that, it doesn't die. It just sits and waits and waits and waits for the right time, for the kairos, for this time in which the Holy Spirit brings it to our attention and directs us finally to do the right thing. And so, of course, the resolution was adopted unanimously. And it, but it, we have to think of it not as just this sentimental doing the right thing, uh, uh, symbolic gesture that we did. The resolution still has teeth. So the Bishop of New York, now 159 years later, will be putting forth a pastoral letter, which will be read from all of the pulpits in this diocese. And it also calls on all of the uh, ministers, those who are preaching the word of God in this diocese, to, to bring this up and to, to talk and to, uh, to study with their congregations how we move forward. Now, again, this is not just some token from history. It's good that we did the right thing historically, but we also have to look at this resolution in light of the things that are going on in our world today because it's still extremely relevant. While the transatlantic slave trade may be no more, thank God, there is still an epidemic of human trafficking in our world. And we hear stories from time to time about uh, people who are discovered in forced labor, usually poor immigrants who are brought over here from Asia or perhaps from Africa. So not working on plantations, cutting sugarcane or picking cotton in obvious broad daylight, but in the back rooms of shops and in the basements of businesses, toiling away with no hope for their lives. And so this form of resurrection took place. This thing was killed. They tried to kill it in 1860, but through the, through the spirit of God, through the kairos of God, it was resurrected. And we saw through different eyes this time around, thank goodness. And we saw not only was, should it have been done back then, but it still should be done now. And so we, as a diocese, are actually actively going to be working on this reconciliation between uh, different types of people. And not just those who were enslaved Africans. We also saw a presentation called Red Altar, which was about uh, two people, a man and a woman from China, who sailed over here in the 1850s. They landed in what is now uh, Carmel area of California. There was nothing there except some Native Americans, and they got on quite well together. And these Chinese people developed fishing villages, which became pretty successful. And 
as uh, migrants came from the east and as the railroad came, they, were, they too were pushed out. They too were uh, attacked. Their villages were burned down. They were lynched. Some people got up to say, thank you for this presentation because I had no idea there was lynching of other people. He said, the person who stood up said, I'm from Charleston, South Carolina, and this was a big part of my consciousness growing up, but I didn't know it happened to you too. So you see in this meeting of our body, the diocese, we were able to see each other in a new light, to see each other as fellow human beings and as children of God, really in a full and meaningful way, not just in a sort of a platitude kind of uh, it's nice to see you sort of way, but really getting down and seeing uh, the evil that we can do to one another as brothers and sisters, but also the good. And so as we uh, think about this gospel reading through the week, remember what Jesus said. He said, God is the God not of the dead, but of the living for to him, all of them are alive. We're all alive. Those of us who are here now, those who came before us as well. And so what we need to do in that great cloud of witnesses and that mix up of Kronos and Kairos that we're in as embodied human beings is to do our best to search for and hear the voice of God working in us and through us and to do our best to create his kingdom here on earth, and to celebrate that we are children of the resurrection. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.